Hey, this is Tim from Kalamunda Church of Christ, and today I hope that this podcast blesses you. If you are wanting to know anything more about our beautiful church, why don't you hop online and head to our website at kalamunda.church. will be from your heart and from God's word. So let me pray. Father, we just want to come to you this morning. And Father, we just want to say thank you, as we have. Thank you for your faithfulness, but we also want to say thank you for a brand new year. Thank you that you are the God of fresh starts, of new beginnings, of second, third, and fourth chances and chances, that you are always for us and not against us, that you're with us, you don't leave us nor forsake us. And Lord, we just want to say right now, thank you for everything for this year that it beholds in front of us. And we want to thank you now in advance for all that you're going to do in and through our lives. I just want to say, Father, would you just anoint and put your special touch for 2023 on this, uh, on this platform here, these moments on Sunday mornings where people come and share your word, where we come and worship. And Father, I pray and thank you in advance for supernatural things this year in this place, in our lives and our hearts. And everyone with faith said... Amen. Amen. New year. You probably heard the saying, new year, new me. This is the time. (laughs) Terrible saying. Well, where this series is actually about the new year, the real me, Uh, our identity in Christ, discovering who we really are. As gym gym memberships soar for the next few weeks, as people uh, set New Year's resolutions. Who sets New Year's resolutions? Anybody? Stats are going down on that. Uh, you've, you know, uh, I've noticed uh, in, in reading some articles, uh, some of the uh, popular, sorry, I've got the wrong sermon, that was Christmas, here we go, turn over a page, uh, yeah, Jesus is, can you believe, Christmas feels like an eternity ago, it was just last week, it feels like so long ago, um, in 2022, the most popular New Year's resolutions are that people want to live healthier, 23% there, uh, personal improvement and happiness. So broad, isn't it? Happiness. I want to be happy. Uh, and losing weight is definitely on the top three for, again, uh, for New Year's resolutions. But this year at Calamunda, we're talking about New Year's revelations in our life. Uh, what can, and I'm really excited because the, the question of who am I and the question around identity has, has never been more potent and powerful and important than the where we are right now, Uh, and not just for the younger generation, but for all our generations, no matter what season of life we're in, no matter where we're at, the question of who I am is so important and so powerful. And I just want to give a bit of an intro this morning to set up uh, a bit of a platform for what what we're going to hear and what we're going to do uh, over this month. And what I want to do is I want to say, I'm going to get some help. I'm going to, actually, this is going to be quite interactive this morning. That's why I'll try to get interactive when the kids are in church. But Tom, can you help me? Can you bring this mirror up? Often in life, um, I'll grab the chair. You can grab it. We, we have mirrors in life and, and look in the mirror. And Tom's going to bring this mirror and you can face it towards the crowd for a minute and then I'll turn it because I don't want you just staring at yourself the whole sermon. Uh, and that's all, it's a bit shiny. Maybe we'll turn it like that. Actually, just, gee, 
didn't stand anyway, that's all good. For those who can't see it, we look in the mirror and so often the world will tell us things that, and say things to us and written on this mirror is things like, who am I? We ask the question, who am I? Why am I? Uh, we ask the question, am I enough? When we look in the mirror and we have that, that challenge, am I enough? Uh, we can look in the mirror and we can get regrets, the past, mistakes, the things that keep just, that's what we see. We see fear, anxiety in this world. We see our past. We see guilty. We see shame. This is an encouraging sermon so far. Stay with me. Uh, we see hopelessness, depressed. And often we see and live with a sense of rejection in our life. And that's how the enemy would love you to get up every morning and look in the mirror this year and say, you know, that, that's, that, that's what, who I am. That's what I see. I wonder what it is for you, that one key thing or that, that, that thing that keeps reoccurring that is like just you keep seeing that. You can't get past something that speaks to you negatively. But the good news is we have another mirror, and we're going to see if we can do this one again, Tom. We have another mirror on this side, and this is the mirror of the way that God sees us. This is the mirror we have a choice to look at. This is a mirror called the Word of God. And over this series, this is going to be the mirror that we're going to... Oh, that is shiny, isn't it? That's the... Maybe, yeah, keep tilting. Oh, it might face up. There you go. Look at that. Blind the guys in the back. Bring it, bring it around, bring it around. That's it. Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use them for something in a minute. We'll move it a bit this way. That's all right. You can be blind. There we go. Just past Luke. So this is the mirror where God says things about us. This is the mirror of our identity. Is that still in your face? It's all right. Because what you believe, the Bible says, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. In other words, what you believe about God and yourself is the most important thing you're thinking about at any given time. And in this mirror, this is where God says things like, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are forgiven and free. You are loved and accepted. You have joy and peace. You have purpose and a future. You are a child of God. This is the mirror of the identity that God is wanting you to know. That when I love that fingerprint, that, that He, when you become a follower of Jesus and follow Him, there is a new mirror to look at. On the screen, my ne- on the sorry, on the my next uh, scripture on the screen is James, and it says this: Anyone. Actually, I might get some help in a minute with someone reading some scriptures. So if you're feeling bold, get ready. It says this in James, the, the verse before this says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, the Bible says. Do what it says. So this, this series, don't just listen to what we're saying. Don't just listen to the impartation of God's revelation about who you are. But the, there is some application. It says, do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. And so often that can happen as followers of Jesus is you hear a truth, you receive a revelation about how God sees you on a Sunday, but you walk away quickly and you forget and you don't live in that because you're so entrenched in what the world has said, what your past has said. And the Word of God doesn't dominate your life, rather the world dominates our thinking. It says, don't, don't, and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law, catch this, that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have, seen, have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. I love that. God's perfect law that brings freedom is God's word. 
The Bible says, doesn't say the truth will set you free. It doesn't say that. The truth will not set you free. The knowledge of the truth will set you free. It's the truth that you know in your heart that truly sets you free. When you know in your heart that you are a child of God by revelation, not by information, it truly sets you free that no matter what your parents did to you, you have a heavenly father that will never let you down. It truly is the healing power. When you know in your heart that you have been loved and you are loved and accepted, you don't need to run to the arms of somebody else to get that validation. Come on, we need a generation in Kalamunda who knows so much of the love of God in their life. They don't look to people. They don't look to the relationships around them. They are cemented in God and it's not just information, it's a revelation. Because when information gets to a revelation, it brings transformation in your life. That's where freedom comes. The knowledge of the truth this month can truly set you free. You're like, oh, I've heard it, Brad, but I don't know it. And that's okay. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. And hearing. Sometimes you just got to keep hearing the Word of God, hearing the Word of God. And eventually it'll just it'll explode on the inside of you. And I love the King James. It'll quicken you. It'll quicken something in your spirit. And you're like, whoa, I believe that now. So, so this is the, the opportunity that we have to look into, not this mirror, but into the perfect law that brings freedom. Because the truth is, there is so much identity crisis going on. We don't know who we are. We don't know what's going on. There can be an identity crisis in the world around us. I remember at school, uh, years and years ago, maybe, I don't know if they still say these sayings, but when I was at school, they say a thing that was said, um, you know, when people were calling people names, and they would say back, sticks and stones, bones, but names will never hurt me. You could not get anything further from the truth. Sticks and stones can break my bones, but the words won't hurt me. Yes, words carry weight. Words are powerful. People are sitting in this room even today probably carrying words from the past that were spoken over you about who you are that still dominate your thinking and belief pattern and you need the perfect law of liberty that gives freedom. You need the Word of God to start dominating who you are and what you believe in such a way it changes your identity. I love in the Bible how God has a habit of changing people's identity. He comes to a man called Abram and he says, makes a covenant with him. And it's really interesting. He changes his name from Abram to Abraham. And, and, And he makes this name change and an identity change. Abram means exalted father. Abraham means father of nations. He made a promise to him. And you've got to catch this. You've got to notice this. When he changed his identity In a word, the circumstances had not changed. Because Abram was like, you know, God come to him. He says, you know, you're going to be a father of many nations. And he's like, me and Sarah's dancing days days are over. You don't understand how old I am. I'm 100. Sarah's 90. How can this be? The circumstances were the same, but what changed was an identity shift. He said, no, no, I call you the father of nations. And then he does this. I love this. It's so cool. He says, get out of your tent. Gets out and look up at the stars. I want you to see. Try and count the stars. That's how numerous your offspring's going to be. And he's like, have you seen how old we are? Have you seen the equipment? No, he didn't say any of that stuff. He said, have you seen what's going? He says, no. He looked up and he believed God and it was credited to to him as righteousness. He considered not his own body. In other words, he didn't look to the body. He looked to what God's word said and believed that. And he says, you know what? I want to encourage someone this year. Look to the stars. 
look up and say, God can do anything. Anything is possible with God. He wants to change you from just a, this, this, this one father to a father of nations, of being someone who multiplies the kingdom. Amen? I mean, he did it to Jacob as well. Jacob, remember he came out of the womb clutching at his brother's heel. He came out, you know, Jacob, the name like schemer, deceiver. And that's what he lived up to his name. He wanted his birthright. You know, he wanted his brother's birthright. You know why? Because identity matters. He, he wanted the birthright that Esau wanted. And he wanted it because he wanted that identity. And he got it and he schemed his way there. But then when God comes to him, a man on the run, just running from his past, and God, uh, the Bible says that he wrestled with God or wrestled with an angel all night long and wouldn't let go. Jacob wouldn't let go. He says, and this angel by morning said, let go. And he says, I won't let go until you bless me. And then he blessed him by changing his identity through a name. And he said, you will no longer be called Jacob. You will be Israel. You, you have prevailed with God. That's what Israel means, that you've prevailed with God. And he shifts his identity. I love that. From Jacob to, to Israel. Then he, in the New Testament, there's a guy called Simon. Remember Simon? And he denied Jesus three times and all that stuff. And, uh, he was, uh, but, but there was a moment where Simon wasn't perfect, but there was a moment where he had an identity shift and God changed his name to Peter. Simon, you'll no longer be known as Simon. You'll be known as Peter the Rock. And when he confessed Jesus, see, the thing about Peter is, uh, we didn't plan to go here, but it's important to know that there was rumors going around about Jesus and who he was. And Jesus was asking his disciples, who do people say I am? And Simon looks at Jesus and says, well, you know, some say this, some say that. And then Jesus says, but who do you say I am? Who do you say Jesus is? And Simon goes, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And when he said that, he, Jesus said, this is not revealed to you by flesh and blood. What does that mean? This isn't, you didn't think this up on your own. This came from heaven. And on this rock, on this confession, I'm going to build my church. You are now Peter. You know what happened there? Once he knew who Jesus was, he discovered who he was. When you find out who Jesus is, he will tell you who you are correctly. You don't need the world to tell you. He's the Lord of my life. He says, and you're my son. You're my child. I'll give you your identity. Even the, even the, the apostle Paul was named Saul. Now, God didn't change his name. Rather, he started to use his not Hebrew name, Saul, because under Saul was all, his, all how good he was from the right tribe, from the right background, all the things he had done, Saul, Saul, Saul. But when he comes to know Jesus, he starts to be identified and calls himself Paul. And the name Paul means short. I don't know really, no, I'm just make, I know that means that, but I'm making up this idea. My thought in that is, yeah, because you know what? He wanted to become less so that Jesus could become more. He, he, he was not going to be big noted by all his stuff. He, he's just Paul now. He's, I'm just Paul, a man. God used him mightily in his humility. God has a way of changing identity. Our last person I thought of was Jabez. You remember Jabez in the Old Testament? Uh, Jabez, when, when he was born, his mother named him Jabez and said, I, I gave birth in pain. So literally, he, she named, she, she went through a bad experience, so she named it that. And she literally called him a pain. And Jabez, I love about Jabez is this, that says that Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I'll be free from pain. 
Notice this, he gets identified as one thing, but then he cries out to God and says, no, no, I don't want to be identified by my past. I don't want to be identified by what happened to me. I'm crying out, bless me. And God granted his request because God is in the business of giving new identities to you and to me. And it is such good news, good news. So let me ask you, where is this identity found? Where do we, how, do we, how do we get to this mirror? How does this dominate our thinking and our life? And, and I want to encourage us with this verse because there is a, there is a key to this. And uh, it's 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 on the next slide. And you probably know this verse a lot. But I wanted to read, if I can, just quickly before it. To get it in context, I didn't write it in my notes, but I did write. Make sure you read before it. So 2 Corinthians 5.17, you probably, I have put it up there. So we all know, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. There's that identity, right? Uh, Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. But before it, it says this, For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Verse 16. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, we don't regard him according to the flesh, but therefore, if anyone is in him, he is a new, brand new creation. Behold, and that's a key word, behold. The word behold means to gaze upon, to look upon. Behold, don't behold what's behind you. Behold what's in front of you. Behold, all things have become new. You'll never get the newness of God in your life by always looking in the back mirror, the reverse mirror. All things have become new. So where have all things become new? And I'm going to get some volunteers. I'm going to need three in a moment to come and help me to explain this. And you would have heard me speak about this before if you've been here for the past 12 months, but I just really want to hit on it in a fresh way because who knows when you become a Christian and you read verses like that, oh, I said, all things are new. Come on, all things are new. But you look in your bank balance and it's still the same and you go on the scales and you still weigh the same and you're actually, you're actually still, still quite anxious and depressed but you know that God has said this promise. So what actually happened? So I want to encourage you this morning with three volunteers where this has taken place. So who would like to come up? I'm just uh, The young adults are closest to the front. <laughs> Tim will come. Thank you, Tim. So I'm going to get you. Uh, I need two more at the same time. And I want you to, in fact, why don't you stand in the, why don't you stand in the front bit down the air? Because I'm going to get you to do something. Can you, Tim, you can be spirit. So you can hold that up for people to see it. Tom, you're very important. You can be soul. I need one more to be body. <laughs> Volunteering. Who wants to be the body? I'll start after calling people. It's only for like the next 45 minutes, honestly. It won't be that long. All right, hold them up high so people can see. So we have spirit, soul, and body. And if, when your arms get tired, you can put them down, but just for that. So you see, see, we are created in the image of God. Who knows God is a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You can put them to your chest now. I'm going to get you to do something in a minute, but stay there. You're going to help me with this. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we're created in the image of God. And it actually says that in Thessalonians 5.23. talks about uh, may our, our spirit, soul, and body. So we are three parts. And when God created us, who knows, we were perfect. 
Who knows, we had communion with God, but when Adam and Eve sinned, God said, the moment you eat of the fruit, the moment you sin, you shall surely die. And who knows that, that their emotions kept going, your soul, your mind, will and emotions did not die. Who knows that Adam and Eve's body did not die. But what did die, and you can sit on the stage, mate, you go sit down for a you get a rest. Thank you, thank you. You stand up. Spirit, soul, body. All right, I was thinking backwards. Thank you, Tim. So what did die was spirit. Now, God didn't leave them of like, like, like that, but on the inside, the death was a spiritual death. And that's why when Jesus came to earth, he preached the message, repent. Um, and he said, you must be born again. And the word born again, when he said it to Nicodemus, means born from above, spiritually regenerated, that you come alive on the inside when you've received Jesus, you've been forgiven of your sin, and you come alive on the inside. And what actually happens is when all things become new, you become born again. So you can stand back up and your spirit is now at one with God. The Bible says that. You are spiritually alive, which is really frustrating when you realise that your spirit and your flesh are at odds with each other. They're not getting along all the time. And, and, and you, you know, Paul talked about it, didn't he? That struggle within. But who knows that when we say all things have become new, it is in your spirit. In your spirit, everything on this mirror has already taken place and more. In your spirit, you are completely sealed. You are completely saved. You'll never get more saved than you are right now. That's why there's a theology in the train, the train of theology, which is we have been saved we are being saved and we also will be saved. But in our spirit, we are completely like Jesus. When God looks at you, he does not see this. He looks at you and he sees Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, this is really good news and actually quite powerful when you start to understand the implications because now you realize that, okay, I have all these things. I have, this is why when I say things like by his stripes, I have been healed in past tense. It's in my spirit. The only thing I've got to do is try and get my soul, then sings my soul to wake up and stop looking at this way and start looking this way at what the word says. Amen. So stay there with me for a minute, guys. It's going to help me illustrate this. The Bible says in, uh, next slide, thank you, uh, second, Colossians 2.9, for in him... In Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in Him. The fullness of the Godhead lives now in us. I know, it's shocking, isn't it? It's amazing. Think about it. The fullness of God, the Godhead lives in us. We have everything we already need. You don't need to go out and try and find peace. You have peace. It's in your spirit. Find joy, you have joy. Find provision, you have provision. That's why this year at Kalamunda, we know we've got everything we need as a church. It's already been given to us. We just need to renew our minds according to God's word with it. So we have everything Jesus did, but it says, behold, all things have become new. And so often, the most important person in this triune relationship is our soul. Because... When we are faced this way, have you faced your body and all you do is look at all the symptoms, all you do is look at all the, the circumstances or you listen to what the world says and your soul will not be happy. Your soul will be depressed. Your soul will be downcast. Why are you so downcast, my soul? Hope in God. And so the key is 
Romans 12, 2 tells us to renew our mind. So if you hold the Word, this is, this is it. When you turn this way, when our soul feeds on the Word of God, what was already happened on the Spirit of God feeds it. You are filled in your soul with this. You start to see the truth of who you are in Christ. And eventually you do that enough and, and you get into God's Word and you study to show thyself approved and you get in and believe and believe and trust and trust and just let it, let, it's already been done. You can't make it happen. But you've got to change the way you believe. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so as that happens, it's going to affect your body as well. You're going to be a lot, you're going to change. You're going to, your identity is going to shift. Now, the reason this is so important about identity is because we can't get our identity from here or from here. This is where I'm going with this. Our identity must come from what the Spirit's work has done in our life. Now, I'm nearly finished with you guys. Oh, the Bible. Need the Bible. You're nearly off the hook. I just want to read you this. In Romans chapter 8, it talks about this. And I love this. If you're still with me. Come on. Sorry, kids. I know it's a bit of, bit of reading here, but you're doing, you've been really good kids today. Awesome in church. Romans chapter 8 is really powerful because it says this. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Your identity is here. Remember, you're in Christ Jesus. Oh, Brad, but you haven't seen all the sins I've done, all the things I'm struggling with and all my struggles. No, no. God sees you in Christ Jesus, holy, blameless, perfect in Him. doesn't mean you're not on a journey over here. We all are. But in Christ, it is complete. And it says you have not condemned at all. And then it says this, who do not walk according to the flesh, so body could be flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on the account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not, catch this, walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So there is a, a, a struggle to say, where is your identity come from? And it has to come from renewing our mind according to the Spirit. So Romans 12 says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by what? By the renewing of your mind. The soul is your mind, will, and emotions, and that's what needs transforming. That's where your life will change. You're not going to get any better in the spirit, but your soul does need to be transformed and, and renewed daily and daily. It's an ongoing till you get to heaven. They will never get to a point where, oh, I've got it figured out. I've got all this Christian life figured out. It says this, for those who live according to the flesh, the next slide, set their minds... On things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is at enmity with, against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You know what really pleases God is when we walk in the Spirit. It says this, but you are not in the flesh. But in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, by the way, he's not his. To be a Christian is to have the Spirit. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells within you. This is powerful, powerful scripture, isn't it? It's so 
powerful. When we turn to the Word, see, when your soul does this and turns to the Word again, that's repentance. Repentance isn't just coming to Jesus the first time and saying, I'm sorry for it. Repentance is to change the way you think. And it's renewing your mind, repenting. Oh, hang on, I feel anxious. The Word of God says I have perfect peace as I keep my mind on Him. The Word of God says I have in my spirit love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. But, you know, I feel angry. But the Word of God says I have self-control in my spirit. And you renew your mind according to that. Just give these guys a round of applause for their wonderful effort. Thank you. I, found that really, I find that really helpful. I find that really helpful to understand that my soul needs to look to my true identity. That's where it really is all about identity, is that everything about our identity has to come from God's Word and God's Spirit and what He has done and said over your life. And as that dominates our life, it will start to change everything in our thinking, our decisions, how we see ourselves will dominate our life. The end of, I think it's the next slide, at the end of Romans 8 there, it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have no, have an obligation, sorry, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. See, the body isn't bad. I wasn't saying like bad, bad, bad. The body is a bad. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's who we are. And we have that Spirit within us. And, and we are His temple. So that we want, to, we want to use our bodies for the glory of God. Amen? We want to steward them for God's glory because He lives in us. But when it's talking about body and flesh, it's talking about that old sinful nature. That, that, that wants to lead you and dominate you and declare to you your identity. And what it does is it says, see, that's what you are. You're a sinner because you sinned. And if you don't have this truth to know, I'm actually not identified by anything I've done. I'm identified by everything he's done for me at the cross and the resurrection. I'm a child of God. If you don't have that in your heart, you'll start to believe the lies of this mirror and live in lies and miss the freedom of the perfect law of liberty, if that makes sense. And it says that for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. And this is where it gets to identity. Verse 15, the Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. That's identity. And we now cry out, Abba, Father. We have a good, good Father. And so in this series, I want to encourage us to shift, allow God to shift us to see ourselves the way God sees us in Christ. We are in Christ and Christ is in us. And Paul said that all through his letters because it was so important to know your identity. I love this quote that says, true humility is not putting yourself above or below God's word. Some people think they're humble because they put themselves below God's word and it's pride. See, pride exalts self. Humility will always exalt Jesus and his word. That's why it's the most humble thing for me to say that by his stripes I am healed, but I am forgiven, I am free, I'm a new creation, man. God loves me, I'm accepted, I'm so valuable. That is the most humble thing to say because you're exalting God's word. You're not exalting yourself, it's him, it's what he says, and that is more humble, the most humble you can be is to trust God and take him at his word, to get the reality of your redemption. Luke, I'm going to ask Luke just to come up and hit the keys, and I'm going to pray a blessing over us in a second. But as we close out, 
What area of your life needs a revelation? Not a resolution, a revelation. Be renewed in your thinking. A change. What area is it? You know, Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. That's the old you. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God, or as King James says, by the faith of the Son of God. But that's another sermon. But I live by faith in the Son of God. I, I've been crucified. I have a new life. Now, what part of your life is being dominated by the old mirror? What part of your life do you look at and you can't get past? And you need to say, you know what? I've got to stop believing the lies. And I've got to start believing the truth. What part of your life needs that old thing gone for this year that you need to leave in the past? If this year was a, a, a purpose and a plan for you this year, I don't know about you, but I love setting goals and I love, I love doing things like that and, and then wondering why I didn't do half of them because I set too many probably. But there's nothing wrong with setting goals, but maybe you've come into 2023 and you're already thinking, you know what, this is what I want to see this year in my life. This goal and that goal. And you come to God, it's almost like you come to God at this time and you say, Lord, I've got, I've got a plan and, and here it is. Can you just sign the bottom for me and bless it? Sometimes do that with our life and we can get into this predictable default of just, you know, I'm doing what I'm going to do and, and, and just God just bless my plans. But what if God was to grab your plans and take the bit of paper and go away and do some work on it and come back to you this year? And I believe He's here this morning to say this to you. I really do in my heart of hearts that He's here to say to you, hey, I've got the plan. I've actually rejigged it and I want you to sign at the bottom. And then He hands it to you and you look down the bottom and you see where you're meant to sign and you're excited to look up and it is a blank page. Because we don't walk by sight, we walk by faith and not by sight. And God says, will you trust me to mess up everything of your plans? Will you trust me to take you into a new year? Will you trust me, even though you can't see everything, will you not have it all your ducks in a row, but will you let me just put your heart in a row? Will you let me, just, just let, let me work on your spirit so you can see who you really are this year? I wonder what it would look like. I love the quote from the famous missionary that says, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He's no fool. You know, you can't, we can't keep our lives. We can't keep our lives. And you're no fool to give what you cannot keep to gain what you cannot lose. This is, you never lose this. You can never lose what Jesus has done in your life. Just embrace it, receive it. And this year, let your mind be renewed to who God says you are. In Christ, you are so many things. And that needs to dominate our thinking, yeah? I'm going to pray a blessing over us. Before I do, would you bow with me and close our eyes? And I'm just going to, while we're in an attitude of prayer, I just want to feel to kneel and just say, Father... And if you want to, you can. You don't have to. I just felt to then. I just want to say this year, Lord, I want to start. We want to start as a church and as a people of God, humbly before you, knowing that not our will be done, but yours be done. Father, we want to embrace a blank page and say, you write my story. You write the story of this church, Father. We want to say not Brad's agenda, not the leader's agenda, but Holy Spirit, your agenda. 
And I want to thank you for the things we do know about this year. Number one, we know that you want people to see themselves the way you see them. We know that you want us to see our lives how you see them, to see who we are in Christ. And that will dominate our thinking and our life. That we would not be dominated by feelings and emotions, but we'd be led by the Holy Spirit this year. Father, we just come to you and say, you are the King. You are the Lord. Thank you that your plans are already blessed and help us to walk in them. Just in this attitude of prayer and worship, if there's anything in your heart this morning as we're we're praying, maybe there's a specific thing that I've said, but the Holy Spirit's spoken it to you. Maybe there's a shift. I just want you to take this moment not to rush past, but to let the Holy Spirit work in your life and to just, in your heart, do, do business with God this morning. Oh, Lord.